You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Into Costume, a podcast in support of the Costume Industry Coalition. Each episode, I chat with costume industry insiders about the intricate process of creating iconic looks for stage or screen. My name is Devario Simmons, and I'm a costume designer, educator, and host. Thank you for joining us today. Today on Into Costume, from Broadway's A Soldier's Play, we have leading man and Tony nominee, Blair Underwood, two-time Tony nominee and costume designer, Didi Aite, and owner of RL Studio Theatrical Costumes, Elia Fatico. All right, I want to thank you all for being here with us today at Into Costume. Um, we have A Soldier's Play here. We have Didi and Blair Underwood and Ilya Fatakov. I first want to start talking about just like what Soldier's Play is about. It opened January 2020 um, at Roundabout and very few people got to see it. So Blair or Didi, would you two just like give us an introduction about what a Soldier's Play was about just like pretty quickly? (laughs) Didi, you want to take it? Blair was about to say, you need it. That's all you. That's going to be all you. I will say to Mario, though, the play, act, I believe we made it through the run. It was the sort of very last performance that um, ended up being taped because of, due to COVID. Got it. Which is a bit sad to sort of end it on that note. But um, we luckily made it through most of our run. We made it through it saved two days. So we're very fortunate that we got our, we, we, we finished our run pretty much two days. And, you know, as you know, Broadway closed on Thursday, March 12th. Mm-hmm. Everything shut down, but we got a chance to do one more performance on Friday, Friday the 13th, actually, because we were scheduled to do our archival performance to, to film it for the Lincoln Center. And um, thankfully we were able to do that. No audience. We had, I think, 10 or 15 people up in the mezzanine and that was it. But wow. just very grateful that we were able to kind of pretty much finish the run. A Soldier's Play, of course, started in, uh, it's a, a Pulitzer Prize winning play written by Charles Fuller. Um, it was introduced to the public in the early 1980s by the Negro Ensemble Company, the NEC in New York City. It starred people like people names we know, Sam Jackson, Denzel Washington, Adolph Caesar, and uh, uh, Jim Pickett so from uh, Grey's Anatomy Today, and so many people who made names for themselves. In 83, they did a film called A Soldier's Story, uh, but had never been on Broadway. It's been performed and produced all over the world, literally, but never on Broadway until now. It is a story of... Oh, man. You know, it, it focuses in the con- contextually it's the world of the 1940s World War II, African-American soldiers. 
Um, there is a murder that happens on this particular base. And the character I play, uh, Captain Davenport, Richard Davenport, is charged with um, uh, finding out who did the murder, basically. And it really uncovers and examines all kinds of uh, humanity in the black male um, diaspora, if you will. And Jerry O'Connell's character is a white officer who has never, like the black characters uh, and military men, uh, enlisted men, had never seen a black officer. So it was a very rare thing in the 1940s to see a black officer. Um, so it deals with all of those levels of, of self-love, of self-hate through David Allen Greer's character, especially. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating journey and, and an amazing, extraordinary play. Lovely. <laughs> so, because we're talking about the costumes and we're in 1940s. <laughs> I just had a snap. I mean, come through. History lesson. Yes. Let's throw that in there. It's cool with it Thank you. <laughs> so the, we're in the 1940s. Yes. It's World War II. I should wear my hat. Ah, he has the hat. I have it in my office. Oh. The one you got for me. Oh, the actual hat. I should be wearing that right now. I haven't worn it in the year. <laughs> so in, in the 1940s, World War II, right? Didi, you've been asked to do this show. Where do you start? The people and the research, right? These are real human beings um, that went through the war. So for me, it, it was important to take the time to just pour over a ton of research, identifying like key things, key silhouettes, um, what they had access to. And then also identifying what it would mean for black soldiers to be um, in the military and how racism and access to certain products and just um, the way that the world viewed them, how that would um, change the way they dressed and they identified with each other and they identified with power. Right. So for me, I, I spent a lot of time just pouring over research, trying to figure out where what key things I needed but then also spending a lot of time with the script just to understand what each character wanted most, um, what they held closest to their heart and finding a way to sort of combine what the research gave me in terms of what the actual uniform was, but as well as with what the characters wanted the most. And then the third component was were the actors that I had to, you know, I got introduced to and we have fittings with them and then pulling what, you know, their connection to the character and to the story, pulling a bit of that into the, into my design as well. Yeah, that's going to be actually like segueing into my next question. When you're doing that research, you're kind of solo in a way. You're like designing with your, of course, your your production team together, like doing this big collaboration together. But then you get to the first rehearsal, mm -hmm. just as a great landmark, um, and you and you meet your actors, and they come into the room, and there's some, as you said, some personal things that you added into this um, these characters. How did you how did you find those things? Um, before you met um, your actor? And then how did those things change as you got to know your actor as their character? So I had some things I'd already identified from, from myself as I was working through the design that helped distinguish the different characters from each other. So with that, it was um, the shoelaces on the boots, the different type of shoes a captain might have worn versus a soldier, just in terms of high, like rank, um, undergarments, also played a part in terms of what was standard, 
who might have deviated from what was standard because they felt a certain way or 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 moved in the world a, a specific way. Also, jewelry is one. So I didn't have a ton of things to choose from, but whatever I decided to put on stage or I was incorporating into the costume had to be super specific. So I'm looking at the dog tags, information, the dog tags. I'm looking at, for example, um, for Blair's character, he had a pair of aviators on, right? So I'm looking at the style. I'm looking at also... Um, the metal, if it's gold, how warm is the gold? He also, we gave him a gold watch, I believe. And so with that gold watch, finding the backstory there, who might have passed that gold watch on to him? Where might he have purchased it? And then in terms of just color tone, matching the color of the gold to like Blair's skin so that under lights, it, it would read a certain way that it wouldn't read fake or it would, it would feel complimentary to him as opposed to like fighting or like calling attention to itself. So it's, at least for me, it's just, identifying these few things. And then as I meet the actors, I'm doing additional research and having conversations with them to, to provide a bit more information about the character. Mm -hmm. And Blair, how do you personalize? Um, so, I mean, we're in a uniform, right? And we, we all know that uniforms normally have their list of things that you have to wear. How do you personalize that uniform for your character as you're developing him? You know, for me, it's the, um, it's 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 the comfort of the uniform, literally and figuratively. When I say comfort is to feel comfortable, you know, one of the things that Didi was talking about was the specifics of the characters. But it, it's an interesting thing. You do a play about men wearing uniforms. You know what those uniforms are are standard. That's why they're uniformed. Um, but how we wear it, and that she speaks of the undergarments is what makes her, her, her so brilliant because the audience won't see that, but it affects and helps and enhances our our characterization. Um, so for me, it's how that, that uniform is, is felt, how it's worn. And one of the things she did from a practical standpoint was make the material lighter than it really would have been. Cause we would have been sweating like, like pigs up on stage otherwise, but it looks the same to the audience, but it's, it helps us feel comfort. Um, and you know, and, and I say that because even from a characterization standpoint, my father is a retired army colonel of 28 years. And I grew up in army bases. I grew up watching my father as a military man. So wow. I watched the man within the uniform. And oftentimes, you know, in, in portrayals, acting, anything, people play for results, you know, to play smart, to play a police officer, to play a military man. Um, and it wasn't about playing that military man. And in this case, it wasn't about playing the uniform. It was about becoming that character that wears the uniform. So then, therefore, it becomes about comfort, how you wear it. You know, there are certain very standard, very specific ways you must button and, you know, the length and all that and all of that. But how how it fits on your body and how your 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 spirit and your character comes from within that uniform makes the character. It's so great that you talked about the fabric choice with these uniforms. And, and we thanked and, her for that. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and what that would mean, because, I mean, um, I know Didi, like with all of the research that you did, it was like, what what then will portray the weight of that fabric and also give the actor what they need? So I know that like took some time and I'm sure that maybe like Ilya's here that can talk to that a little bit more about like what that meant to change um, the fabric of a uniform um, to make sure and, and, and also to make sure that it still looks appropriate for that piece. It's uh, we. We had a lot of handwork on this uniform. It's uh, and we we had some unique details and uh, special canvas to make those uniforms uh, made made look that way. Like for uh, for uh, actors to use to use them, like uh, like you said, like a comfort on a stage. Mm -hmm. 
I remember to Elia, right? The, like just identifying the fabric. Cause I know, I mean, Heather, my, who was my associate on this, we swatched a ton. And so it was working with Ilya to find out, to make sure, ensure that whatever wool we went with wasn't too soft. Otherwise it would be a bit too drapey. So it still had to have some body to it so that I could get the crease in the pan. I could get the jacket to lay right. Also because of, um, for the actors to be comfortable, we didn't want them to sweat. And so we didn't want to do a fully lined, um, suit jacket and pant and so the pants were half lined i believe and then the jacket yes. also um half lined you see you see you see the jacket you, you see the jackets it's a, we did a lot of beautiful jackets and i did one extra for the shop <laughs> oh, wow it's just behind here nice yeah see dd your 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 costume is so war- so amazing each one of us got a piece of it we had to take home with this <laughs> I, <Yes>. love, I <laughs> 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 This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So did you... What um what made you recreate these costumes um for the stage instead of like maybe looking for already made pieces? We actually did both. Ah. So I we shopped some we shopped some pieces because you know budget of money for sure. Um, so we shopped some pieces and we also um, thankfully were able to have Ilya custom build a few pieces for us. So with that, it's as a costume designer, it's finding a balance. It's trying to recreate things in a way, or if, even if I'm shopping the things is identifying what things need to be altered. And if it's worth it to actually alter it, to get the right fit I want. So we, for some of the uniforms that we use, they were shopped outright. And then we did massive alterations on those. Ilya and Anthony Gilberto worked on that just to get the tailoring and fit just right for us. And then with others, such as Blair's uniform, it felt, it felt necessary to custom build it for for his character and for him just because of um, Davenport is someone who has ac- a bit more access to money and has status and he cares about the way he looks, especially um, entering an environment where he knows uh, it's a racist environment. So he has to present himself in a specific way as a Black man. And even today, he understands that he cannot, um, he has to be, like I said, he has to be super specific about how he enters any space, right? People are looking for him to to fault to fault him. And so with that, it felt that I had to hit it on the money in terms of the tailoring. I had to hit it on the money in terms of like the lines on the uniform, how sharp the uniform would lay on his body. So there is identifying what the silhouette of the time period is and of the actual uniform, but then it's also translating that onto an actual human being's body and accommodating accommodating what they look like and their body type and sort of bringing all those worlds together. So with Blair's uniform, I believe actually in one fitting, we played around with the proportions of the jacket and I gave him a bit more of a curve in the waist. And I remember Blair said to me like, oh, how did you see that? And I was like, you just got to stare at it. I'm like, (laughs) I'm seeing you. I really look at you hard because 
you're going to be wearing this um, uniform on stage and you're embodying this character. So I have to pull forth whatever I need to, to like give you the foundation to, to, to take it and lift it off. And Blair wears it. He knows how to wear a uniform. I have to say like, Blair all the <laughs> pieces on. like there are certain people who, who just know how to wear clothes and thankfully Blair's one. And so he just <laughs> sort of got into that uniform. And then Ilya did like, creative magic on there right he did all like a little bit of alteration here and there just so it fit ever so perfectly so when his character walks out on stage that very first moment without him even saying anything in like Blair's posture and gesture we already get a sense of who he is Mm. and that's like a very sort of special moment at least for me yeah you know it was helpful for me too in that first the introduction to the character to to see to 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 see the character transition and evolve right before your eyes because it opens up with a monologue. And again, with the uniform, I didn't want to play the uniform. So I wanted to kind of disrobe a little bit mm-hmm. and start with the jacket over my my arm. Mm-hmm. And I saw in my mind's eye, I saw my dad at a barbecue in his uniform after long days of work, smoking a cigarette. He didn't smoke a cigarette, but I saw, but just chilling, <laughs> you know, head, head, kind of cocked back somewhat. But as he, as Davenport continues with the monologue, you see him transform, buttons his jacket, by using the costume, you see him transform into Richard Davenport, Captain Davenport, and how he presents himself in the very first scene with Jerry O'Connell's character. Didi, I was actually going to ask you a little bit more about the personalization of these characters, because I heard a little story about the dog tags. Um, and Blair was just talking about how even the transformation of him on stage was very important. Why were the specifics of those dog tags so important for you? In, in, in helping and in, in asking the actors what they thought their character would be. When I'm in a fitting room for me, it's a, working with the actor, it's a very, it's a very much so a collaborative process. So it's important for me to, to help them in whatever way I can, right. To give them another portal into who the character is another way, another sort of way into what they're thinking and feeling about the, the character. So with the dog tags, I allowed that we already knew what the, the last name of or the name of the character was, but then I needed to know a birth date. And so with that and through information from the script, the character, uh, the actor and I are able to deduce a birth date and we're able to identify. Oh, actually, they are. They're able to identify the um, religious affiliation of that character. And it just allows the the actor to just take it a step further, to really personalize the story for themselves and to consider all the different elements and all the different pieces that make up this character. Um, I hope that it's a way just to, to, to give them another sort of bit of information so they can dive even deeper into their characters. The Costume Industry Coalition was launched to advocate for the survival of New York City's custom costume industry. Collectively, CIC members employ hundreds of artisans and costuming experts. Their costumes are seen on stages and screen worldwide. To learn more about CIC and how you can get involved or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit www.costumeindustrycoalition.com. In these trying times, many are not in the position to give, but you can always help by spreading the word. I'm going to... Um, go to Ilya and talk about the amazing tailoring of this of this jacket. Ilya, how long have you been? How long have you been in New York? Twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. My goodness, how long have you been tailoring? Uh, over thirty four years. What got you into the business of tailoring? You know, like it's uh, like 
I never was dreaming, be honest with you. I used to dreaming to be a musician. I used to write my own music. Oh, wow. Since, since uh, 12, I used to write music. And then uh, I moved to a different city. My sister got married uh, to a party maker. He was a professional designer party making. And uh, he started teaching me how to sew when I was 14 years old. Since 14, mm-hmm. I started loving and doing this profession. Wow. So you've been sewing, tailoring since you were 14. Yep. And in New York for 27 years. My goodness. 27 years in New York City and 21 years in business in, at Arrow Studio. So great. Um, what, is your favorite pro- what is your favorite part about the process of making theatrical costumes? Oh, favorite part to look in a sketch and <laughs> go through the details with the beautiful designers. And so we have uh, unique and beautiful average designers on, on our Broadway shows. Yeah. And uh, un- unfortunately, right now with COVID, we don't have this chain choice anymore, like... Yeah. Is your studio doing any production right now at all? Are they, are you, are you still open to do, are you still opening and, and working at all at any capacity right now? We was open even during the COVID. We was uh, making some uh, masks. Okay. And uh, helping our city. And right now we do a lot of orders uh, like uh, for TV and sh- movie and, uh, you know, the most TV shows and movies. So right now, most of the things are TV shows and movies until theater yes. comes back, hopefully yeah. this fall. And we, yeah, we got some project like a few days ago with Kathy Zuber. She's doing a Moulin Rouge in uh, Australia. In Australia, yes. Everybody's going to Australia. Yes. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like used to be on Broadway, but at least we got uh, a lot of stuff. And it's a ten, thank you for all of them who's trying to support us in this difficult time. And mm-hmm. Sarah Edwards, she's doing... Uh, her TV show and uh, many other different designers. So like it's uh, trying to keep us busy. Billy, I know your studio is a part of the Costume Industry Coalition, um, yes. which was formed during COVID. What does, it, what, does that, what does that coalition mean for you? Coalition means it's like uh, all the costume makers and uh, all the people we like basically collaborating together and working to survive and uh, to be you know, to helping each other to stay in business in this hard time. Because there's been no relief at all for you all, right? No, for our, we are in the worst situation, I would say. But Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, we don't have any relief yet. We have beautiful, many shops on Broadway. Mm -hmm. It's uh, and all of them. It's uh, unique and uh, professional. And I hope everybody going to be staying in business and continue their beautiful work on broad for beautiful stuff for stage and Broadway and TV and all other industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of going back to the stage, I want to congratulate Dee Dee and Mr. Blair Underwood on their Tony nominations for a Soldier's Play. Um, Blair Underwood, were you were you on Broadway before this in any capacity? Thank you, Devario. Uh, yeah, the last time was 2012. We did a streetcar named Desire. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So good. And Didi, you're actually double nominated this season. So your chances are higher. You're going to beat out everyone. I don't want to. I'm fighting against myself, but it's okay. I'm, I'm like, it's all right. I'm, I'm grateful. Let's keep doing the work, you know? Sounds like champagne problems. Yeah. I know, right? I'll take it. I'll take so it. good. Ilya, how does it feel to have some of your garments be nominated for a Tony this year? The person wearing it, the person designing yes. it? Yes. Like I said, from the beginning, it's an honor to be here with all of you. And uh, thank you very much for 
all of you like to involve me in this process and uh we all happy for all of you well i feel the same way Ilya. thank you thank you and i hope we're going to continue we're going to continue yet yes. more and more more of this not more. not last like it should be like keep going for all of you that's right yeah I want to talk to you, Didi, just about the CIC also. Um, as a costume designer, you've also been hit with, in a way, no work as industry has been shut down. Um, what does the CIC mean for you um, as a person who uses these vendors? Oof. I'm, I'm so afraid that when things start to come back, there'll be many who, wouldn't, who won't be there. And to think that there are people who've spent their entire lives building up their businesses um, there are people who are just starting their businesses um, who unfortunately got hit by COVID. It's, it's, a, it's a huge disaster for us. And as artists, um, I'm just so, I'm afraid because you don't want to lose um, those artisans. You don't want to lose those people who dedicate their entire lives to like learn how to put garments together by hand or by like, or, or how to distress things in a way that just, in, in a way that's even, it feels poetic. Um, and there's so many craftspeople and artisans that work like or, or that, are, that make up the CIC that I'm just hoping that we can weather this. I'm hoping that some relief will come so that when we finally get back to like creating and telling stories that we can all then come back together as a community and keep going. But I'm really, really scared that um, some people might not just be able to make it out of this sort of disaster, this pandemic that we're all going through. And that's mm-hmm. troubling because it's what brings, you know, it's what brings tourism to New York city. It's what, it's what um, helps us put shows on stage on Broadway, off Broadway, even regionally, like all over the world. These are artisans that we rely on to do the work. And um, I would hate to have them sort of like fade away or disappear and be lost to fast fashion. Um, Just to think of like someone's entire life be gone in a second because um, there's no sort of support there. There's nothing to catch them as they're falling. It's just quite sad. Blair, we all know you also from this, the silver screen the, on television and film. What, what is it? What, what's different about a fitting for theater? Like, is, are they the same? Are they different? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if it's that that different. I think it's just the personnel. I mean, everything that you were both saying, Ilya and Didi, there's a there's a culture to Broadway theater, but Broadway is very specific. Um, there's an energy. Uh, the stakes are higher in every way, financially, artistically, creatively. Um, so it's a different energy. I remember when I first came in to meet Ilya and, and Didi, I uh, was telling me he's so great and he works so fast and he's so brilliant. And 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 then working with with Didi's um, expertise itself, it's it's you know very similar in a lot of ways, of course. But it's a different cultural dynamic um, doing and working in the theater. And part of it is just the lives we live, the livelihood, the, the, the rhythm of life is, is very unique. And, oh, can I just jump in and say, though, and there's nothing like having Blair walk out in Act 2 with the audience giving him <laughs> feedback. So you will not get that in TV. <laughs> that energy from the audience. You know? <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> Tell me about this costume. Describe this act to that was not even me. That was, I, I gave the foundation, <laughs> and Blair and Kenny, you know, <laughs> dreamt of something special. <laughs> what was this moment? 
There are three uh, monologues that, that Richard Davenport does. The, the beginning of the first act, the beginning of the second act, and the end of the play. And the beginning of the second act, it says that he's getting dressed. That's all it says, he's getting dressed. So I'm learning this long monologue. I'm thinking about my lines. And I think I'm button maybe two buttons. I just want to, let me do the last two that I can tie my tie with no mirrors. So, you know, trying to do all that. And I'm thinking about all that. And Kenny, like the last week before we moved to this theater, he said, maybe you should just unbutton a few more buttons. Maybe someone in the audience might appreciate that. And I was like, come on, man, <laughs> really? He said, yeah, yeah, just try it. So, so that became whatever that moment is Didi's referring to. Oh, got it. Understood. <laughs> Power of live theater. <laughs> yes, we love that. The appreciation from the audience is always appreciated from us. Always appreciated. That's right. <laughs> I want to thank you all three for coming to be with me today for Into Costume. Um, you know, we just want to make sure to reach out to everyone to make sure that we're all here, actor, designers, and those in the shops, so that we all kind of be able to be noticed. I mean, I think a lot of the times the people that are working behind the scenes um, don't get noticed. And so we, we love this opportunity to give Ilya and his shop that moment to know how much work is put into bringing things to the stage. Um, and in closing, I just want to thank you all again um, for being with me. No, it's just so good to see all your faces. And I'm really happy that we there is a moment to connect with like with Blair and with Ilya cuz and I will say listen, Ilya's shop and Val, I love them. It's it's an honor to work with them. They're true masters at what they do and there's a lot of collaboration there. I come up with an idea and they allow and help me actually take it that much further, right? And so that uh, is something that I'm truly appreciative of, like just their knowledge of fabric and and the care that goes into how they construct the individual pieces is um, is truly like it's truly something special. So thank you, Ilya, and thank you, Val, and thank you to your thank you, thank you, and thank you all of you. Thank you for everything. Yeah, and I'll just say it's great to see you again, Ilya and Didi. Always great to see you. Hope to do it again in the future in New York City. Um, and Devario, I just want to say to you and and all of your team, just thank you for creating this platform because you know whether it's theater. Broadway, Hollywood, movies, television, show business is a collaborative effort. And, you know, often, oftentimes it's only the actors that get the, 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 the spotlight and the shine, but none of it happens without the team. And it's a huge team effort. So thank you for creating this platform so we could put extra shine on Didi and Elia. This has been Into Costume. Thanks to the Broadway Podcast Network for their support. If you have any feedback on today's episode, Find us on our Twitter handle at IntoCostume. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to learn more about the Costume Industry Coalition, please visit their website at costumeindustrycoalition.com. Remember to subscribe and rate on whatever platform you're using and join us again next time for more stories to get you into costume. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.